CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer as we get together every weekday afternoon at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical point of view, and what we hear in church on Sunday. Is it even in the Bible at all? Well, again, if you uh, got a question, you've been reading your Bible as well, sharing your faith, hey, and you want to give somebody a good answer, and you need a question answered, hey, that number to call again, 8888-ASK. CSN, toll-free, and we look forward to talking to you today as we do every day. Got some lines open, so if you call right now, you're sure to get on. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. Joining me today, special guest from Festus, Missouri, St. Louis area, we have with us Scott Parker and his program, Word for the Church on the Weekend Times here on CSN. Hi and welcome, Scott. Hello, Mike. It is great to be with you today, as it always is, as we uh, answer questions. Thanks for having me. So uh, as a pastor of a Calvary Chapel there in Festus, Missouri, how was church yesterday? Oh, church was great. We had a wonderful time of worship, and we're studying right now through the trumpet judgments in Revelation chapters 8 and 9, and so uh, had a wonderful time. And uh, Mike, actually, you know, not this week, but last week, I was out of town. I was in Chicago visiting my oldest son who lives there and got to attend Moody Church. And, uh, wow. that was a, that was a blessing. It was, uh, really neat to be there and, uh, enjoyed great worship and a very solid message from the book of Exodus. That was last week. So, uh, it was good to be home and good to be back in the pulpit doing what we're called to do. But, uh, it was so good to, uh, be there. I missed Erwin Lutzer. Uh, was going to be speaking this weekend. I missed him by one week. But uh, anyway, it was great to be at uh, at Moody Church. Well, look look forward to answering some questions with you. Glad you're back. And with that, we'll go ahead and go to the phones. We have Joseph on the line, St. George, Utah. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, i just like to start off by saying that uh, I've, I've been a Christian for almost a half a century, and I've had my ups and downs, but about 11 years ago, my oldest son died in my arms, oh. and uh, and I uh, and I didn't handle it well. And instead of going towards God, I went away from Him for about 10 years, and oh. and and now the last couple of years, I've been back. Uh, really strong and reading and praying every day and and raising my other son who also has the same disease and i i know that the lord is going to take him home soon too but uh, uh hopefully i'm going to handle it a little bit better than i did the first time but now i'm studying the book of hebrews with chuck missler mm-hmm. and and uh and we've got to chapter 10 with the five warnings <laughs> yeah <laughs> And the fifth warning is willful sin and the fact that you never have to worry about your salvation, but you can lose your inheritance. And even Paul the Apostle included himself in that when he said he worries about it. And so that's that's my question today is, is what 
can we come back from that if we've done enough? Well, first of all, our rewards are not based upon, uh, um, uh, well, maybe I should say our salvation, of course, is not based on works. It is based upon faith. But one of the things we have to remember is that uh, we all uh, take strides from the master's side, sometimes long, sometimes short. And uh, as we look, uh, we even see Peter uh, afraid of what the Gentiles would say, so uh, or the Jews would say, well, so he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. Now, this St. Peter is the same one that was scared of what uh, people thought of him when Jesus was being interrogated in Herod's courtyard. And then we find uh, Peter full of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, full of boldness. But then we find him, um, again, worrying about what people thought of him and uh, when he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. So I don't believe we lose our rewards. I, I think that that is a, a thing. Now, personally, I, I, you know, the Bible talks about getting your name blotted out of the book of life. I, I didn't say that. Jesus did, and people don't like what I say. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. They can take it up with him. Um, and we, we find that, that um, a person, uh, and even Jesus himself said, he said, if you abide in me, and uh, again, I, I believe that is uh, where God never breaks his covenant with us, but we can break our covenant with him. And this was the whole understanding of, of covenants all the way through the scripture. And so uh, it's not by works, it's by faith. But uh, even Paul, uh, writing uh, to Timothy in the last chapter of the book of Second Timothy, says, Demas, having loved this present world, has departed. Now, the first chapter, he's bragging about what a wonderful brother he was. But uh, I, I really have trouble with uh, the idea that, that, you know, if we, um, you know, backslide, that we've lost everything we work for. I, I don't see that in the Bible. I, I really believe that uh, what we lose, if we lose our, our uh, eternal reward, it's because we personally have forfeited it. Jesus himself said in Luke, uh, excuse me, uh, Revelation 22, that if you tamper with the words of of, uh, this book, uh, God will uh, take your name out of the book of life. Um, So in order to be born again, that's how we get our name in the book of life. Jesus said it could be blotted out. I don't want to change what Jesus says. So I want to be very, very careful. And I know people sometimes um, enjoying the grace of God, enjoying the the comfort that we do find in the scripture of our security in Christ from God's side, I, I have no problem with that. The problem arises from our side. And this is where even Jesus, Matthew chapter 24, read the last six verses or so of Matthew 24. Very clear. When we look at the book of Jude, for instance, The whole book is about how God saved an entire group of people out of the land of Egypt and let them die in the wilderness because they wouldn't take him in his promise. And so when we look at this and and the very last part of this, and again, people take this verse out of context. Now who is able to keep you from falling? Well, they're trying to make that a standalone verse, uh, completely ignoring the entire chapter that it was written in. And there's only one chapter is I believe we're as eternally secure and saved as we want to be. I believe our rewards are there for us in heaven. I just want to make sure every believer gets there to get his reward. 
Again, not based on works, but based on faith. He who is able to keep you from falling. That's great news. God's able. The question is, are we willing? And and if we look in the context of the book of Jude, you find that many weren't willing to have God keep them from falling. So I think we have to really look at all these verses in context, and a lot of times they're not in context from these different people. I Again, Jesus very clearly says that a guy said, my Lord delays his coming, he eats and drinks with the drunken, beats his fellow man, uh, the Lord of that servant. God's not the Lord of every servant, those that call him. This guy claims a relationship with God. Uh, God claims a relationship with him, but the Bible says he's going to get his portion with the hypocrites. I've heard people go so far to defend bad theology of saying, well, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that's not hell. What? It is everywhere else in the Bible. The place of weeping and gnashing of teeth is hell. And gnashing your teeth is an interesting thing. It isn't gnashing your teeth in pain. It was a Hebrew phrase of showing hatred towards somebody. And even today in newsreels, you'll, you'll see people in the Middle East, they'll, they'll look in the camera and they'll grind their teeth. That's a facial um, uh, demonstration of hatred. And Jesus said, this is where they're going to go. That isn't describing heaven, and that's certainly not describing losing your rewards. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so I have learned not to tamper with what Jesus says. I know there's very many well-spoken-of ministers and pastors, but I also notice the dance when they come to these verses that they try to make it say something that they don't say. Now, when we are born again, we have become enlightened with the Spirit of God. The Bible says, those that know to do good, doeth it not, to them it is sin. So it's very clear that once we become aware of the presence of God in our life, we want to, we want to take care of that relationship. We don't want to allow it to slip. Again, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul is writing to a church, not a bar, not a brothel, not a, uh, you know, some other place. He's writing to a church and he says, do not be deceived. So evidently there was deceivers there at the church of Corinth trying to deceive people saying, once you're saved, you can do what you want. Well, he said, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he's writing to a church. So I think it's extremely important that we look at the entirety of God's word for what it says. I know Pastor Chuck Smith for many years who started the Calvary Chapel movement and a large part of the Jesus revolution um, said that he said the only condition is never based on God. It's based on us. And he always quoted, if you abide in me, I, I agree. And when we look and again, Getting your name blotted out of the book of life is pretty serious. We find it in Revelation chapter 3. Uh, we find it in Revelation chapter 2. Uh, I want to, uh, Revelation chapter 22, uh, we find um, it, it's a very important thing. Now, if I'm wrong, nobody has anything to worry about. But if they're wrong, and these verses that Jesus spoke of are true, 
then I think people need to really reconsider their their sloppy agape Christian relationship with the Lord, saying, well, you know, after slipping Jesus in my pocket, I just kind of do my own thing. I've even heard even worse theology. It gets even worse to cover. Whenever you have bad theology, you have to change God's word to uh, make it say something it doesn't say. And where it says, and I won't blot his name out of the book of life, it's very, very important to understand. They say, well, see, he won't blot your name out of the book of life. No, that is not what it is saying. It is saying the exact opposite. If you repent, I won't blot your name out of the book of life. Well, to cover bad theology, they come up with this answer. Everybody's name is in the book of life. And then you do bad things, and that causes you to get your name blotted out. Well, we have another horrible theological issue now. Because then the idea of original sin, that we inherited an old sin nature from Adam, is not true. Because we're all born good. We're all in the book of life. But then we do bad things and it causes us to get our name blotted out. What does the Bible say about that? All of sin comes short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. So you have to tamper with other places in the scripture to make it say what you want it to say. And you have to detune, obviously, what the Bible is saying to make it fit bad theology. But I believe if a person is born again, walking with the Lord. And again, as we would look at this um, in context, I don't believe, I, I believe any rewards, Joseph, you had uh, raising your kids, doing right, and your, and your heart got hurt because of the death of your son. Uh, God understands those things. You didn't lose any reward in heaven for what you've done for him. I believe when we lose our reward, it's because we ourselves have chose not to go. And the Bible talks about this. Why did Jesus say, watch and be ready? You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. He didn't say what hour you're, you're going to die. He said what hour your Lord's going to come. Since it doesn't make any difference, once saved, always say, party on, dudes. <laughs> yeah, Jesus was just shucking and jiving the church. Or was he? Or did he mean what he said when he said, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. He's coming as a thief, the Bible says. In fact, right in the book of Revelation, uh, when we get up towards the end of the book, you find these words in red during this terrible time on the earth. It's like God saying, that's why you want to watch and be ready. Behold, I'm coming as a thief to escape all these things. And so I, I look and, and, and believe that, again, we're as, eternal secure, we're as eternally secure as we want to be. God will never break the promise from his side, but very clearly in the scripture, I don't, I don't, I, if you're going to be honest and if you approach the Bible, even from a point of legality, um, the, the idea that once you accept Jesus, well, they were never really saved in the first place. I've heard that one. Oh, really? Then how did they get their name in the book of life in Revelation to get it blotted out? See, all of a sudden, these people's theology just starts evaporating because they haven't spent enough time evidently connecting the dots and looking what the Bible says on that particular topic with all the verses. No, I, I don't believe anybody will ever pluck you out of the hand of Christ, as it says in John chapter 10. But I believe you can, you can walk away. 
And certainly Demas did. And Paul says he went back into the world. Oh, but that's all right. He's still saved. No, it doesn't say that. Now, remember the prodigal son. Well, once a son, always a son, I've heard them say. Yeah, that's right. But if he would have died in the pigsty, he would have died in the pigsty. But when he came home, his father restored him and called him his son again and blessed him. So I look at that very important. And any verses that Jesus say about watching and being ready, I come as a thief, if that doesn't mean what it says, then Jesus was lying to the church. And friends, that's a serious, serious charge. And we need to be very much aware of it. Because again, the Bible says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What does that mean? So when you really look at all the verses that pertain to this topic, I believe this is very, very important because we want to look at it from a full biblical view, not from a denominational view or a church dogma view. What what our church believes about these topics, that's what I mean by dogma. But we want to look, what does it say? And if it doesn't mean what it says, then we really need to get out our black felt tip markers and start marking out a lot of verses in the Bible and take away the entire book of Jude. And really, most of chapters 2 and 3 in Revelation, because see, here's the problem. Jesus compels them to walk worthy of the calling they were called. If it doesn't make any difference, then where does Jesus get off telling the church to repent? You see the problem? Bad theology always requires people to start tampering with the rest of the Bible to make their theology fit what the Bible says. Again, God will never break his covenant with us. But are are we willing to not break our covenant with him? Now who is able to keep you from falling? Again, the question is, as you read the context of that verse in the book of Jude, Are you willing to have God keep you from falling? Your thoughts, Scott? Yes, Mike. And you know what? Going right off of that scripture you just shared from Jude, Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 21, he says, And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, In other words, through what Christ has done for us and our faith in Jesus' death, he says what he's done for us, uh, he said that he is able now to present you holy and blameless above reproach in his sight. Paul is saying the same thing in Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, that Jude Jude said and wrote that Mike just shared. But in verse 23, Paul adds this. He not only says that he's going to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, the next verse says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. And you cannot get away from Jesus saying that if you continue in my word, you are my disciples. That word continue is very important because the proof of our faith in God and our faith in Christ is how we live our life and what we do. Uh, there's, the, you know, there's this dichotomy that in American Christianity today uh, that we make, where we can, where we say things like this: Jesus is my Savior, 
you know, but he's not necessarily my Lord. And I don't believe you can have it both ways. No, I, he's either, he, if he's, listen, if he's your savior, then he's your Lord. And if he's not your Lord, then you know what? He may not be your savior. And we can't make those dichotomies. And, and it's interesting because uh, what people I think fail to understand is in Romans 3, Paul says that we are justified before God through faith and faith alone. And people people read that. They stand on that. Yeah. But then if you go to James chapter 2, James actually says, what if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? In other words, he has nothing in his life that proves what he says is true. And James says this, can that kind of faith save him? And the answer is no. And why is the answer no there? It's not because we're saved by works. We're not. We're saved by grace through faith. How we are justified before God is by faith in Christ alone. But how are we justified before people? Through how we live. How will people know that I'm a true Christian? How will I know I'm a true Christian? Because of the change that Jesus makes in me and the life that I now live. And so this whole idea that if uh, that our, our faith that we say we have in God, it must be proven. If it's true and real, it must be verified by how we live. And that's why that matters. And so I think it's very important to understand that. And and, and also, too, when you go back to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, which was kind of surrounding your question, um, in Hebrews 10, the, you know, the big question there is in verse 26, for if we sin willfully, well, first of all, I don't know what sin I've ever committed that wasn't willful. <laughs> you know, I mean, every one of them I did, I pretty much wanted to do them, you know. But if we sin willfully, after having received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a, a sacrifice for sins. Well, here's the question. When when the writer of Hebrews was writing that, what was the sin that he was talking about in verse 26? The sin he was talking about is, re, is, is defined for us in verse 29 of that chapter where it says, if we think that this the 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 that the blood of the son of god is something to be yeah um you, you know go ahead scott are you there okay scott scott's uh uh we have a Technical difficulty here, of course. Uh, sometimes we, we get those. Scott, are you back? I'm back. Am I back? Yes, you are. Now, now <laughs> you you it, it went where you said um, it, you just start over in verse twenty nine. Yeah. So verse twenty nine, basically, it, the writer of Hebrews here is talking about what that willful sin in verse twenty six is, and what it is is it's moving away from faith in what Christ has done. Because the the writer is writing to Christians, believers in Christ, who were Jewish. They're Hebrews. That's why the book's called Hebrews. These are Hebrew believers, and what they were being told and tempted to do was to add and to go back to the law and to add the works of the law to their faith in Christ. And the writer of Hebrews says, no, listen. If you think that there's something you can do or you need to do in order in place of or in addition to what Christ has done for you, you've moved away from the gospel. 
That was the sin. That was the willful sin in verse 26 that he was talking about. It's in verse 29 where he talks about counting the blood of the covenant um, to be something uh, to be trampled on. That's what he's talking about there. So we have to really understand the context of Hebrews and understanding that these were Hebrew Christians who were being tempted by other other Jews who were called Judaizers in that day um, to forsake faith alone in Christ and to go back to the law. And that's why he says, hey, listen, if you do that, there's no longer any more sacrifice for sin. If you turn away from your faith in Christ, there's nothing else that you can turn to that will save you. And so I think that helps under, help us understand, too, um, what he's saying there is important to understand the context. But again, it all comes down to this. It all comes down to if my faith in Christ is real and genuine, it's going to be borne out in how we live. And mm-hmm. that's why in the New Testament you see these verses talking about continuing in the faith. And it's very important we do that. And Mike, you know what? I think it's very important. I really do because people have minimized this. I think it's important, you know, when either Jesus comes and raptures the church or we die, I think it matters the state of our heart before the Lord at that time. Absolutely. You know, I think, you know what I'm saying? People got this idea of, well, I prayed a prayer when I was five years old or when I was 15 years old and then haven't lived for the Lord the rest of their life, but somehow we're going to heaven because we prayed a prayer. No, it, what matters is, is the state of your relationship with God each and every moment of the day, you know? And I don't believe, uh, you know, and I think Mike covered this. If, if I serve the Lord and I do great works for the Lord where he's going to reward me for, and then I backslide from the Lord, but then I repent and come back to him. No, I think the Lord's still going to reward me for all that work I did. Uh, in heaven as a reward. So I, I, I agree with Mike. We're not going to lose our rewards. What matters is the state of our heart and the state of our relationship with God, you know, when, uh, from day to day, moment to moment, and especially when it's our time to meet him, uh, personally, <laughs> you know, whether it's the rapture or death, it does matter. And I think a lot of Christians today really have that idea that it doesn't matter because I prayed a prayer one time. And uh, that's kind of what James is saying. If a man says he has faith, you know, but he has no works and his life doesn't prove it, can that kind of faith save him? And the answer James gave was no. So I think it's important to understand. Yeah, and, and, and Jesus concerning the end of the age, he said uh, before, I believe before the mm-hmm. rapture, he said, he said yeah. because, because sin abounds, the love of many wax cold. So... Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I just want everybody to really look at, at all the verses, not just the ones your denomination points out to you. And I think this is why we got a lot of the problems we got today universally. We're coming up on a break, everyone. We don't want you to go away. Joseph, I hope that answered your question. If it did, stay in line. We'll send you some books, DVDs. We'll be right back. Are you ready to study to show yourself approved? A workman not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? In this sad, lonely, and lost generation, people need help. They need Jesus. And who can present the gospel better than you? Calvary Chapel University wants to be a helper of your joy, so you can go out and make disciples who make disciples. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today, and you'll earn outstanding scholarships. Most of our CCU graduates graduate early or on time, debt-free, and sound doctrinally. 
Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today. Skip Heitzig is one of our faculty members, and David Guzik is not only a board member, but he just earned his Master of Divinity at CCU. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and watch God move powerfully in your life. Our Christian beliefs put us increasingly in the minority today. Alistair Begg's book, Brave by Faith, looks at the book of Daniel to help us deal with this new reality. But be encouraged, Daniel's experience in an unbelieving culture assures us God is in control even in a world that denies him. Download the Brave by Faith audiobook for free at truthforlife.org slash brave. CSN, the Christian Satellite Network, is broadcast on hundreds of stations nationwide. With stations in 45 of our 50 states, we're never far from where you are. Get a full station list or listen anywhere in the world 24-7 at csnradio.com. You can be a part of CSN by spreading the word. Join us on Facebook and tune in every day for the best Bible-based teaching and modern praise and worship music. CSN International, where God's word is heard. Welcome you back to part two of Timmery Men and Answer here on this Monday afternoon with Scott Parker from Festus, Missouri, Calvary Chapel. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And uh, we once again, we just want to say uh, we're glad you listen. It's so important. You know, I don't represent a denomination. I want you to know what the Bible says. And when we come across things in the Bible that are uncomfortable or don't fit our church denominational ideas, uh, I want you just to listen to what I say. What are we going to do? What are, Again, what are we going to do with these verses in the Bible that uh, say these things? You, you can't ignore them. They're extremely clear. There's no, there's no well, you got to understand the context. No, it, it's right there. Um, you know, again, read the last six verses of Matthew chapter 24, all about the end of the age. Very clear. There's no wiggle room here. And yet people will tamper with God's word to fit bad doctrine that their church or their ideas hold. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that. Uh, I, 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 you know, honestly, I'll, I'll tell you something. I don't always agree with everything in the Bible. But you know what? I know the Bible's right and I'm wrong. And so that makes me change. And you know what I found? It makes me change the way I live my life. It makes me change the language that I use. It makes me change the politics that I hold or what I believe about how governments and people and laws should be. It changes the way I think about eternity. It changes the way I think about other people. It changes the way I think about where this world is headed and where where we're all going. See, the real word of God, when Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not just the one my denomination likes and, you know, leaves the other ones out. But what does the Bible say on this topic? And again, when we deal with something like salvation, your eternity, I want to be as honest and explicit as I can concerning these verses. 
because I don't want God to look at me someday and say, you as a teacher, you soft-pedaled what my relationship was. You were trying to make people think that, well, after you accept Christ, you know, the sloppy agape thing would get you. I don't want that. And if I'm going to stand some kind of judgment, I'll say, well, Lord, you know, I just did what your word says. I don't get any money out of this. I don't, that's not what it is. It's what does the Bible say on these topics? And again, Jesus said we live by every word, not just the ones we like. And that, friends, is why I have the stand that I have. Because I have been in and through many different denominations in my life. And I've seen where they stand on different things. And obviously, they're completely ignoring other parts of the Scripture. So I I have to then say, well, God, what does your word say on this topic? And then look at all the verses. And then that's going to give me a pretty good understanding of what God has to say on it. Let's go to Jerry, Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, and welcome. How's it going? Good. How may we help? Uh, I was wondering about baptism. Am I allowed to help baptize someone? Like, I had a pastor that baptized me. Yeah, if you have been, whatever you've received from God, you can give. If you've received salvation, you can lead someone to Christ. If you've been baptized, you can baptize somebody. If you've been filled with the Spirit, lay hands on them and ask God to supercharge them. Um, <laughs> you, you know, um, uh, that what you receive from God's Word, you can share with others. So I believe anybody that's been born again, that has been baptized, you can you can baptize somebody else. Your thoughts, Scott? I totally agree, Mike. And you know what? I have people help me baptize new believers all the time, um, especially, for instance, if a husband and wife come to Christ, I will baptize the husband, and then I will have the husband help me baptize his wife. I have uh, fathers help me baptize their children, uh, all kinds of things like that. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I agree with what Mike said. Whatever we receive from the Lord, we, we can give away. Um, you know, and biblically, um, you see Philip in Acts chapter eight, um, who was one of the first deacons in the church and then became an evangelist. He wasn't a pastor and he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, the first gent, one of the first Gentiles that we see, uh, the first Gentile we see saved in the, in the Bible or in the uh, book of Acts there. And then you had this. I think this is interesting, Mike. You had the apostle Paul who actually told the Corinthians, that God didn't call him to baptize. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. (laughs) And he says, God didn't call me to baptize. He called me to preach. And then he told the Corinthians, I'm actually glad I didn't baptize any of you uh, except for the house of Stephanas. (laughs) So I think that's very interesting that uh, if I think if anybody in the New Testament would have had the authority to baptize, it would be Paul, which he did baptize some, but he was like, you know what? He didn't really call me to baptize. And I'm kind of glad I didn't baptize the Corinthians, which I just find very interesting. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's just fine uh, if you can uh, help your pastor help someone baptize someone. Yeah, I think Mike. there's enough uh, scriptural references that would would sure. verify that a person that's born again can baptize somebody. So hope that helps, Sherry. And if I do help someone, I got to make sure it's right because you're talking salvation. I mean, it's very crucial. Mm-hmm. I got yeah. I, I appreciate you guys. Well, Jerry, God bless you. Say in the line, if you like sending out the movie Jesus, I think you'll really enjoy that. Great to share with your family, friends. Kids love it, too. Let's go to Steve, Nevada. Hi, welcome. 
Good afternoon. Uh, you guys do a great job. My question is out of uh, Revelations 1, uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 20. Yes. There's a reference about angels. It does Does every church nowadays have an angel? Well, the word angel there is really the word anglios, and, and it's speaking of a messenger. So this, I believe, is the way God views the pastor, the pastors of churches, as they are speaking the things of God. Now, when we think of an angel, we think of, you know, one standing in, you know, uh, you know, with a sword drawn or something like that. But it just simply means, and you'll find this in Revelations 2 and 3, to the angel of the church write. And it, it is uh, uh, to the messenger of the church um, of Laodicea, right? Uh, this is just simply saying the, the one that's the communicator there, uh, communicating uh, God's truths. Your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree, Mike. You know, that, that word, angelos, there in, in Greek can speak of a heavenly messenger or a earthly messenger. And I do believe in Revelation, especially there in chapters 2 and 3, that it's definitely speaking of the earthly messenger to the church, which would be the pastor. That would be uh, my view on that. And I was also looking for some uh, other text here because, um, you know, it it is interesting um, that the fact is, you know, though we can't see angels, angels are around us. Um, and I was actually looking for the text. I think it's in the book of Hebrews where it actually talks about when the believers gather, um, that the angels also worship God along with us, though we can't see them. Um, but as far as, you know, um, when it comes to each church having, uh, like maybe a guardian angel or an angel to that church, I don't see anything in scripture about that particularly, but I do agree with uh, Revelation chapters one, two, and three, I believe are talking about the pastors there. So Mike. Hope that helps, Steve. Thank you. God bless you. Again, stay on the line. If you like, send you out the movie Jesus. Again, great for evangelism uh, based completely on the book of Luke. And I think you'll enjoy it. Let's go to Mark. Crockmas, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hey, well, thank you, Pastor. How may we? My uh, question has to do with heresy in the body of Christ. Yeah. And um, we have a man in our local church that believes in preterism. Mm-hmm. And I have talked to him myself, and I've also directed him to the assistant pastor. And I, I'm concerned because he's not afraid to share the fact that he believes that Jesus has already been here. And uh, uh, it's kind of like, I don't know, like um, wolves in sheep's clothing? Yeah, no, you you got a problem there. And uh, again, with the whole preterist view, is so messed up. I mean, you wouldn't even know what's going on in today's world, if you held to the preterist view, that it all happened in 70 AD when Titus came in and destroyed, uh, uh, you know, Jerusalem, and and now the promises are all upon the church, and we're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and take over the world. No, that is not what's going to happen, everyone. The Bible says, Revelation, 
very clearly is in the last times. And we, I believe, are there now. Jesus said that Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles till the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled in Luke chapter 21. Then he goes on and says, the generation that sees this will be the last generation. Well, how could a preterist view of Jerusalem being destroyed in 70 AD? Now Jesus is saying that that the time of the Gentiles will be until Jerusalem goes back into Jewish hands. That didn't happen in 70 AD, but it did happen and began to happen in 1948. They got half the city of Jerusalem and they got the other half the city of of Jerusalem in 1967. And then Trump, uh, Donald Trump, uh, four years ago, uh, declared that Jerusalem was the capital of Israel to the world. Just exactly what Jesus said would happen. Now, to me, friends, that's incredible. So they are completely denying Luke chapter 21. And so you have some real problems here. Now, you mentioned you mentioned this to the assistant pastor, Mark. Have you mentioned it to the senior pastor? Um, not directly. Indirectly, I was hoping that the assistant pastor would talk to the senior pastor. The whole thing is that, well, the bottom line is that uh, we have a men's Bible study that is led by the senior pastor. And even when he, this gentleman who comes to our men's Bible study um, has a different position than the Word of God has, the senior pastor doesn't uh, challenge him on it. And there are many, not many, there are a few younger Christians in the men's Bible study that, you know... Can be affected, (laughs) sure. Scott, your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's very important um, for, number one, for the pastor to know what he believes and why, and then to be faithful. Um, hopefully, he's his his he's believing correctly <laughs> about these things, and then it's his responsibility to commute communicate that to the congregation, and 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 how do I want to say this? Um, not only to the congregation, but more so to the rest of the leaders of the church, especially an assistant pastor. Um, you know, that is the pastor's responsibility. Um, when you look and see what Paul told Timothy, he told him to rebuke and exhort, uh, and gave him the charge, uh, to deal with, uh, doctrine in the church, uh, with the correct teaching of it and with, uh, with false doctrine. And, um, you know, sometimes as pastors, we have to confront people. Um, we should always confront people in love with the truth and, and do it in a spirit of love. But you know what? When it comes to church leaders and especially people like uh, uh, assistant pastors and those that are they're teaching doctrine, it's very important for those uh, in those positions to be in line with what the senior pastor and the church believes the Bible says. Uh, that's very important. And, uh, you know, you know, I, I guess I got to be careful in my advice uh, in this. If it were me personally, um, and I was going to a church to where the leadership, you know, was, was broken up on what they believe, then who do you follow? Um, you know, you, you have different, uh, you know, different ways that people are looking at the Bible and different beliefs. Um, you know, the scripture says, uh, how can two walk together unless they agree? 
And I think that is very, very important. So uh, it can bring a lot of faction in the church, a lot of uh, division in the church um, when the pastor uh, is is not clear on what the what the Bible says and what the church believes about that, and then making sure the other leaders uh, are following suit. So I think it's very important that the senior pastor deals with that and does that. So I would do whatever I I could to communicate that to him, and then uh, make your decision you know based on on that. But it, it's important, and, and you know, and, and Mike can tell you, it's 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 not the fa- it's not the most favorite part of our job is confronting people, you know. But we are charged, and you know, just read, you know, read the read the, the pastoral epistles, especially Paul speaking to Timothy, and told him be in season, out of season, preach the word, and then again to exhort and rebuke and and to uh, to do all of those other things as well. It's it's our charge and what we need to do uh, in in. Um, and it's given to us from the Lord Jesus um, because he's coming, as Paul says there to Timothy, uh, to judge the living and the dead. And um, this is our responsibility to make sure everyone is ready. So, Mike. Hope that helps. Well, yes. Yes, it did help. Um, <laughs> my challenge is that uh, I've gone online looking for some information that I could actually bring it to the pastor, pastors, so that they could address this, and I've not found any information about it online myself. I wondered if you have any uh, any books or anything that I could, or suggestions of authors of books that I could uh, use as um, tools to... Um, Get this taken care of, handled. Well, I, w- I would, I would point him to Luke chapter twenty-one. I mean, uh, the best, the best, bi- the best book to correct any bad doctrine is the Bible, and that's where Jesus said, "Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles till the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled." Um, now, again, you have to look at this because, again, when Jesus said that, it was under Jerusalem was under Roman control. Then it was obliterated by Titus, the Roman general, in 70 AD. So um, that Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles till the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Um, That didn't happen until uh, 1948, 1967. Jerusalem never returned back under Jewish control again till then. So the preterist view that this all happened in 70 AD violates what Jesus Christ himself said concerning end times. Because he goes on in Luke 21 and says, and the generation that sees these things will not pass away till they're all fulfilled. Now, Jerusalem never returned back under Jewish control again in the Roman Empire. Didn't do it. And finally was destroyed. So we know that... Jesus had to be speaking of a future event there. And that the time of the Gentiles did not stop in 70 AD. We still see uh, Gentiles being saved today. We still see God using the Gentile church to evangelize the world. That's what the purpose of the 144,000 Jews during the tribulation found in Revelation chapter 7 is all about. Those are his servants during that time. Somebody say, well, where's the church? Well, the church got raptured. Chapter one, verse, uh, chapter four, verse one 
I heard a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I'll show you what must be after these things. What things? What he just talked about, the age of the church. And you never find the church on earth again after chapter, the last chapter three. They're always found in heaven. You'll find saints. You might find the elect, but you'll never find the church. And the church was so key through the entirety of ministry. So Again, you have the 144,000 Jews now, these recruits that God uses to evangelize the world. So I, I, would, I would say you cannot have a preterist view and Luke chapter 21 coexisting. It's impossible. Any last thoughts, Scott? Yeah, and you know, Mike, as you always bring up, speaking of the book of Revelation, you know, these things in the book of Revelation are future because the things that we read about have never happened. I just taught yesterday about the first trumpet judgment, how there's hail and fire falling from the sky. And what happens? A third of the trees on earth are burned up and all the green grass. That's never happened. That did not happen before 70 AD. This is all future. Uh, as you read the, the book of Revelation, what you see is the first uh, two chapter or the first chapter is for John. It was the vision he had of Jesus in the past. Chapters two and three dealt with the church age, and then from chapter four all the way to the rest of the book is all future. And preterists will tell you, "Oh no, that was all fulfilled." It, it's just not. And um, no, I, I would, every uh, every living thing in the sea did not die <laughs> in seventy A.D. There was no mark hand on your forehead that required you to right. you know, the, the, bringing the whole world to this. That did not happen in seventy. So uh, now, so what they the predators have to do then is they have to change the Bible, and they have to say, well, that's metaphorically speaking. What does Revelation chapter twenty two say about people who tamper with this book? Their name gets taken out of the book of life. Hey, listen, I read the book. I ain't I ain't I ain't I ain't tampering with that. And so uh, again, this is one of the great problems that you'll continue to find uh, with with bad doctrine. Bad doctrine always requires a, a diminishing of the rest of God's word. It always does. And so that's why you can't you can't um, you can't go along with it. So Mark, I would talk to your senior pastor and I'd say this really bothers me. Uh, say you called in on to every man and answer and say we, we talked and they recommended that I come and talk to you personally. Because this isn't um, uh, just something light we want to take for granted. And and now you mentioned, Mark, that he believes that Jesus already came back once? Under the opinion that we are, um, I guess you could say, he's under the false pretense that we have already experienced the second coming of Christ. Yeah, he, he's totally whacked out. The Bible says, as lightning flashes from the east and goes into the west, so it will be at the second coming. So that is completely heresy. And here's the problem, Mark. If he's got these kinds of views on the Bible, my dad always said something, and always made sense to me. He said, you'll rarely find somebody that's messed up in just one area of the Bible. Because when the spirit of error is working, it's everywhere. And and I would venture to say this guy's got a lot of other really crazy stuff that he's saying. And um, so very clearly, 
Uh, he's in violation of a lot of places. But I would bring this to your pastor's attention. And if your pastor says, well, I'm not going to stop it, I'm just, then you probably might want to look for a different church because of this reason. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We live for what is true. And if somebody hasn't studied the scripture enough to come up and know why they believe what they believe and and the purpose for it, um, I don't know how much they're going to be able to teach anybody other than being warm and fuzzy and just love everybody. Well, that sounds real good, but in love there is doctrine, and that sounds like it's missing here. So I would just talk to him, and maybe he'll address the issue uh, with this individual privately, uh, maybe even with you. But I would definitely point it out. I would sure appreciate somebody coming to me uh, uh, here at our fellowship. If somebody was teaching weird stuff like this, I would I, I would welcome it. I wouldn't be mad at the guy for bringing this to light. I would say thank you uh, and talk to the person that's doing it. So, Mark, I hope that helps. It does, Pastor. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it, and I thanks for the counsel that go, you've given to go me. Study and, up, go study up on Luke 21, too. That'll help you a lot. Yes, and Mike, if I could share with Mark real quick. Uh, Mark, if you go to a website called alwaysbeready.com, okay, alwaysbeready.com, on that website, uh, a man by the name of Charlie Campbell has a great article that's called Preterism, Examine and Refuted. Okay, and he's a very solid apologet, uh, apologist, and it's all about what we're talking about. And I, I think, you know, if you're looking, you know, again, for more information to help you understand this, to be able to present it to your pastor, along with what Mike said, uh, giving scripture, of course, and, and of course, this um, article will be full of scripture as well. So that would be a good help. I just found that because I was looking around. Uh, there's there's many really good Prophecy teachers, Dr. Thomas Ice is another one who's wrote a lot about preterism. Uh, if you just go to Google, put put in Dr. Thomas Ice and preterism, <laughs> you'll find a, a lot more articles on this uh, if you want to kind of educate yourself a little more and be able to present this to your pastor. So I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, Mark, I hope that helps. Stay in line, send you up the movie Jesus as well, okay? Yes. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Alwaysbeready.com. Thank you very much. Yes. Amen. Let's go to Lindsay, Salt Lake City. Hi, welcome. Nephilim, did they exist? What was that? Do the Nephilim exist? Well, they existed in the Bible, but uh, the idea that they were offspring of of uh, um, angels, fallen angels having sex with humans, I completely reject. And the church did as well up to 300 AD. And they always, the, the ones that hold to this doctrine, always quote out of the book of Enoch, which does not exist in our Bible. Because the early church fathers saw the book of Enoch had a lot of really kooky stuff in it, and they kept it out of our Bible, thank the Lord. But you'll find people that are trying to prove some unbiblical doctrine will go there. And the Bible doesn't say that. And Jesus gave the commentary on on Genesis chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 24, and never ever mentions sex with angels. So I hope that helps, Lindsay. And listen, call us back tomorrow. We'll finish up a little bit more. Tom and Leslie as well. Thanks, Scott, for being on. God bless you. Good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. 
That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 